Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of somebody you don't want to rip you off, that would be me. That's why coming up later, you'll hear Clark Stinks. So you get to hear where people feel like I have done the equivalent of ripping you off by giving bad advice, bad guidance, bad judgment, bad opinions, or incomplete information. And so you get to hear Clark Sinks just a little later. Clark.com is our main website, and ClarkDeals.com, if you need to do some last-minute Christmas shopping, we got it for you on Clark Deals. We're updating night and day to get you to the finish line Christmas Eve. So, speaking of which, a lot of times you get something for Christmas that isn't quite right for you, and you go to return it. Well, you may or may not know this. There was a big fuss last year. Retailers, a lot of them now use third-party services that dig up data on you and tell a retailer whether or not they should allow you to do a return, regardless of their return policies. It's what a lot of techies call machine learning or big data, that companies are crunching data on you all different ways, and they're issuing you secret scores. These are very different than credit reports. And a reporter for the New York Times started tracking down what different ones of these organizations know about you and me. Retail Equation is in this story. That's the one I talked about last year with the return stuff. But imagine this. There's one called SIFT that analyzes 16,000 different factors on you to come up with your SIFT score that they then sell to companies. And then there's one called Zeta, Zeta Global, which... I have, I'll tell you about this more in a minute, but I've requested my data file on them because you can see what they think of you, what they know about you, and how they develop the profile on you. Until I see what they have on me, I won't really know how much dirt they've been able to dig up on me or whatever they've found. But there are many of these that operated in the shadows only marketing to companies and stonewalling any consumer who wanted to know what they had about them. But, you know, California has this new law going into effect in January that requires that you have rights with data people have on you. You're able to potentially have that data removed. You're able to know what they've got on you and all the rest. And so some of these services already are complying and they're doing so 50 statewide instead of just in California because it becomes really hard for them to comply with the law. They're all terrified of states passing individual statutes that will all be different. But the reality is we should have the right to control the information out there about us. The dossier is built on us. 
we should have the right to delete those files that companies are snooping on us and building up. Think about what happens when a company has 16,000 data points on us and they get hit with a data breach. What can somebody do? What kind of mischief can they then do with all that data? So when I have files I'm going to share with you when these various organizations have presented presented me with my data, I'm going to tell you on the air what I was able to find out about what they have on me and then be able to let you know when it's worth your time and when it's a waste of your time to go find out what's in these databases and then what rights you have with what you find out. But it's kind of creepy to think about all these organizations developing secret scores on you using their methodologies. And where is privacy? You know, we have no right to privacy in the U.S. Constitution. I've explained why in the past, because when we were a completely rural country and sparsely populated, people hated their privacy. They actually wanted to see another human being. So that concept, that modern concept of privacy is something that will have to be adopted, hopefully, ultimately, as a national effort to match up pretty well with the European effort that's working really well to this point. Victoria is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Victoria. Hi. Victoria, you have a question about jewelry. Now, what would make you think I'd know anything about jewelry? Because you've been talking about all these lab diamonds. That's getting me all scared. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They are the future. You know, because think about it. I mean, isn't it weird that in a laboratory, they can make a diamond that's perfect every time of any size and make it chemically identical to a diamond dug out of the earth? Yes, it's insane. So are you wondering if you should be buying these, or what are you thinking? So I have a diamond, obviously, it has sentimental value, but it makes me think that with all these new lab diamonds, there's no difference, and wouldn't that depreciate the value of my current diamond? It, it's not happened here in the United States yet, but it's happening some overseas where the, the market proliferating with the lab diamonds that are that are chemically identical has really started to impact the traditional diamond market for diamonds dug out of the ground. But here's the thing. A diamond that you have already is not worth anything like what you paid for it. You know, diamonds depreciate much faster and by a much greater amount than like a car when you buy it. And diamonds are a lifestyle purchase. So you can't think of a diamond in any way, shape, form, or fashion as like an investment. So when you have an appraiser look at your diamond, how would they know if it's a mine diamond or a lab diamond? Is there a difference in worth still? Okay, so this is so weird. I was talking with a diamond seller on an airplane. I I spend way too much time on airplanes. (laughs) And what he said is that his guess was the way they would know that it was a lab diamond was it would be too perfect. 
you know, because the ones dug out of the earth are going to have occlusions and uh, the color is not going to be perfect. And uh, the lab diamonds are so flawless that um, that would be what might tip off a graduate gemologist to what's a lab one versus what's one dug out of the earth. Okay. So I should just keep my diamond and just You should enjoy your diamond. If it has (laughs) sentimental value to you and you enjoy it, and in the future, as the lab diamonds take steadily more market share because the price point differences, and you want another piece of jewelry, maybe you buy one of these and see what you think of it. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So there's going to be, um, at least for a while, there's going to be two markets in the United States. There's going to be the traditional engagement market where people will probably continue to buy dug-out-of-the-earth diamonds, but then there's going to be a wider jewelry market that people wear jewelry for special occasions or whatever that will steadily gravitate towards the lab-created diamonds. At least that's my guess where things are headed, Victoria. Christina is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christina. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Hope everything's great with you. Yes. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Certainly. My question is, when you talk about having an umbrella, you say it's usually for the rich or for the poor, that the middle class shouldn't carry an umbrella. My concern is, what happens if your house is paid off and you're sued? Wouldn't you lose your house? Okay, so the thing I say about um, the rich and the poor is about long-term care insurance, not about umbrella insurance. Oh, I thought you mentioned umbrellas for that. No, no, no. Because, you know, with long-term care, people that are poor are going to be able to qualify right off the bat for the Medicaid program if they need nursing home care. Yeah. And people that are rich typically spend less money in assisted living than they spent when they were all mobile and healthy and moving around. So it's the middle class that needs long-term care. In your case, with an umbrella policy, your need for it when you do something like pay off your home is even greater when you own that home free and clear than it was when the home had a mortgage. Okay, so is a million enough? Uh, Well, so the, the, that question comes up a lot. When is enough enough with an umbrella policy? So the odds that the million dollars will ever be drawn on is very low. So a million is a safe zone, a starting safe zone. And you said okay. yourself you're not rich. No. So <laughs> a million is going to cost you, I guess, a couple hundred dollars a year. So what you're paying for it? Uh, I think so. I think that that is a sleep at night kind of amount for you to have. If you were telling me that you were sitting there with counting your millions, then we'd talk about a different amount of umbrella insurance. Okay. But as someone of more modest means, but you have worked hard and you now own your home free and clear, the million dollars is a pretty comfortable spot for you to be in with the umbrella because you have your normal liability coverage 
already there and that comes first and the umbrella right. only comes in later if there's a catastrophic claim against you, you know, a really large one. Right. So Would you be able to answer one more question, quick question? Okay. I just bought a car and I have an extra seven grand. So the interest rate on the car and the interest rate and the savings are pretty much the same. Would it be wise to throw it on the car or do something else with it? What else do you have for rainy day money? Is the seven thousand you're talking about your emergency extra. money? No. So you have a good rainy day account and you have this extra seven thousand? Yes. And how much do you owe total on the car loan? I just bought it. <laughs> so is it like twenty, thirty thousand? Uh, yeah, a little bit more, yeah. Okay. More than thirty? Yeah. Well, I'd say there's an advantage if it, if the interest is calculated simple interest and you're not earning any anywhere more on savings, it would be unusual. Is your car loan at 1.9%? No, it's at 2.9%, and I believe the interest I'm getting on my savings is also 2.9%. It would be unusual that you're earning as high as 29 on savings. Those rates have been coming down. I would say... Even at a 2.9% rate, if you've got no other debts, no other place you need to, to put that to work, why not take that seven and reduce the outstanding balance on the car loan? Okay, great. So these are all good problems to have. <laughs> you say you don't have a lot of money. Sounds to me like you're doing just fine. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show, and Jim, you've been on a good path with improving your credit picture, I gather. Uh, a couple of years ago, I applied and got a secured credit card from one of the top credit people. And uh, I kept it for a few years, and then I applied and received a unsecured card. So my question now is, would it be better to cancel the credit, I mean, the secured one, and... Uh, Replace it with a non-secured one or just keep it as it is for now? No, actually, all right, first things first, have you asked them if they will convert that card from a secured to a regular card since you've been no, such sir. a good payer? Uh, no, sir, I have not. And, yeah, you're right, I haven't missed a payment or laid a payment for, since I've had them. Yeah, so I like the idea of you calling and asking if they'll just convert that one to a regular card, but... Regardless, the card you have that you got that's the regular card and the secured card, are they from two different places or are they from one bank? No, sir. They're from one uh, one of the uh, top credit card people. All right. Then I want you to get a second card. Before you cancel that secured card, I'd like you to get a card from another issuer. Get approved for it. And then when you've got two credit cards, then call the company that issued the secured card and ask them with your good payment history if they'll give you your security deposit back and just make it a regular card. And then you'll actually have three traditional credit cards. And I'd like you to be there because that's really going to help with your credit score. Yes, sir. So so go ahead and get one from a different... Uh, name brand yeah. and 
and then call them and see if they will swap it over and reimburse the security deposit. Yeah, how much of your money do they have in that security deposit? It's only $500. Well, $500 is better <laughs> in your pocket than in theirs, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, and it, so you've shown yourself to be really dependable with it. You've done a good job paying your bills, as you described. So it's time for them to let you graduate from that secured card. But go ahead and get that second card first so you know even if they tell you to get lost, you've already got those two cards. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Now, that's the goal is to give you ideas to give you ways for you to fatten that wallet of yours and shrink the debt obligations that you have to be able to make better decisions and how you spend money each and every day and how you spend money through your lifetime. So you depend on me to give you really rock-solid advice, to give you information, to give you knowledge that you can use. But what if you hear something from me and you're like, what is Clark thinking? Or that is the dumbest thing ever. Or Clark's just wrong. If you feel any of those things, plus others, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post where you feel I have failed you and failed to deliver for your fellow listener. You can post there. Others can read your comments. They can post theirs as well agreeing or disagreeing with you. And then weekly, producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her faves right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. I looked up the definition of stink, and sure enough, there you were. Here it is. Stink noun. One, a strong, unpleasant smell, a stench. Two, a commotion or fuss. Three, advice provided by Clark Howard regarding the avoidance of debts. Clark, why do you continue to provide advice to individuals to wait the necessary amount of time to forego their legal debt obligations, be it medical debt or other? Instead, you should be encouraging people to pay back the money they owe as services or goods were rendered in good faith. Just as you want your renters to pay on time, these companies are not running charities either. Please keep up the good work. Sincerely, Mr. Merriam-Webster. Thank you very much for the definition of stink. Um, so I do use deodorant. Very inexpensive deodorant. One dollar. Right. <laughs> so actually warehouse club pack. So, on this issue about debt, you know, I was, uh, I paid my way through graduate school as a bill collector. And I understand exactly what you're saying. So, this is always a difficult one for me because if somebody can afford to pay their debts, obviously I want them to pay them. And the advice I give is in the realm of what's known as time barred that a lot of dishonest debt collectors will try to get people to pay any amount of money manipulating them however they can, saying, hey, just pay us a dollar. Because in many states, that restarts the clock on a debt that you can be sued on. So I have 
a dual message here that runs in conflict with each other. I talk to people about what their rights are, what their obligations are, and how the law works. And if you do this, this could happen. If you don't do this, that could happen. At the same time, I do completely believe that if somebody ran up a debt and they can afford to meet that obligation at a later date, that they should make that debt whole. So that's why there's always a strong response on Clark Stinks about how I answer calls about debt because you do hear conflicted advice from me in that area. Clark, you use the odorous term disposable income. You know that no income is disposable. Throwing money into the garbage disposal is the antithesis of your show. You should have said discretionary income, also known as leftover money. Please, please, please don't encourage your listeners to dispose of the income they earn in the trash bin. They should save it for retirement, vacation, etc. You usually smell like roses, but on that show, you were Pepe LeClark, John. <laughs> Thank you, John. So that's a, that's a technical economic term when you refer to disposable income. So let me tell you my most core principle. And this is a really simple one that is not always technically correct but generally gets people in the right direction. If instead of thinking of your paycheck in little boxes, think of it instead that of every dollar you ever make in your whole working lifetime, you save a dime of every dollar, it changes the economics of your life. And the idea is that if you, from the get-go, set your life up to put money aside, squirrel it away in a Roth IRA, or a 401k at work, or even into a savings account where you put a dime of every dollar aside, it changes the future for you and creates so much less anxiety in your life about money. I can get much more technical about that, but that's the starting point for anyone to have more financial health in their lives. You stated Kirkland batteries are made by Duracell. So what? Your implication seems to be they are just as good as Duracell batteries, and that's where I believe you are wrong. I've never found a dead Duracell battery in the large Costco packages that I purchased, but I did have two dead batteries in a Kirkland package. Granted, this is not a controlled double-blind study, but personal experience does have value. James. So, James, unfortunately in this case, I must tell you I have some inside information that I have from... A source I have to protect, but the batteries are actually identical. They come down the assembly line and they're wrapped either as Duracell or they're wrapped as Kirkland Signature. So they are the identical batteries, and that's a fluke that you've never had a problem with Duracell branded, but you had a problem with the Kirkland Signature. I want to explain something about how Kirkland Signature works as a brand that's different than many other private labels. Most things being sold as Kirkland Signature are made by, in any category in the Costco, are made by the identical manufacturer that makes the brand name good that may be sitting directly adjacent to Kirkland Signature. And as the CEO of Costco explained to me about that, there are Costco shoppers looking for a deal on brand names and then there are Costco shoppers like me who just want the absolute lowest price best deal, and that's who KS is for. 
Clark, I love your show and have learned much from you and your staff over the years. However, when your bomb dropping sound effect is used, well, let me put it like this. I'm a retired U.S. Marine combat vet. As a civilian, I work as a fuel truck driver on Marine Air Station. Recently, just as two jets flew low overhead carrying live ordnance, you dropped a bomb on a collar. For a few seconds, I thought I needed to take cover. Then I thought it's too late. And then I realized it was the radio. I waited for a while before I started driving again just to make sure all was well. Your other alarm sound effects startle me also, but you never really get used to incoming. Lawrence. Lawrence, thank you. That's something, you know, we've had the uh, bomb sounder for the last 25 years, and uh, it may have affected other people as it's affected you, but I've never actually had that incident before that you described that affected you. So I'll think about how when I do hit a sounder that maybe I give a warning, like, uh, so which sound would you like? Maybe I'll hit you with a bomb, and then I just hit this. So that's the idea. And I figure if I give that kind of heads up first, maybe it's A-OK. Clark doesn't smell, but he's out of touch in some areas. He mentioned on the podcast that there was a new initiative that included Google to make a medical database of patients. He also said to never put your social security number on any medical form. There are existing national medical electronic networks that share patient data. These networks match patients based on demographics, but the single biggest and best match point is social security number. If a patient was treated a few years ago, then moved or got married or changed names, there's no way that the demographic matches will locate their records. However, if a social security number is available, there is a much higher chance their records can be located. I work for a hospital system in Cincinnati. This field has exploded in the past five years in terms of how many patient records we exchange electronically. Brent. Brent, thank you for a different perspective on the problem with social security numbers being in people's medical records. So I want to share with you, there was a TV story recently that got big play about a hospital system that had dumped a lot of patient records in a dumpster behind the hospital station, got a tip, and guess what was in those? Social security numbers for hundreds of people sitting there wide open in that dumpster. And so the problem is medical accounts for half of identity theft, and it's because it's not core to their mission to secure people's personal information and financial information. And so it's really a leaky boat all the time. Maybe hospitals and medical, the medical system needs to come up with a unique medical record number for each individual that has no relationship to somebody's social security number as a way to track people through the years. Clark advises not to spend money saved in an HSA if one can afford it. Clark says that you can spend this money in the future. We have contributed almost $1,000 in our HSA and did not use it. Now a $5 monthly maintenance fee has been depleting our account. We called to complain, and they said that because we are no longer contributing, they have to charge us the fee. The problem is... Have to. Have to. That's the most ridiculous statement ever by the HSA administrator. Yeah. So um, Pat says, we no longer have a high deductible medical insurance, since we moved back into an HMO, what happened to save your HSA money for the future? 
it means you need to change who your HSA is administered by. There are several great choices we have on Clark.com on our HSA information section, and you can uh, fully legally and tax-free transfer that money to a zero-cost HSA administrator because you're being cheated right now. You say kids' school should start later so they can get their rest, but you are for mandatory enrollment in the armed forces. The armed forces don't care if kids get can get to bed on time or that they have to get up when told when they're told to. So, do you want to create a bunch of soft kids and then make the government be the real parent, Lance? So, uh, thank you, Lance, and I can tell that you've served, and I appreciate your service. When someone gets to uh, boot camp, initial enlistment training, whatever each branch calls it now, uh, the recruits are exhausted so much that they can handle sleeping on a very different schedule in the military, even if they've been typical teenagers prior to that time. Clark often talks over the caller after the caller mentions he was either in the military or currently serving. The caller did not call to be praised and thanked for his service. The caller needs help. So while the caller starts showing sharing his pro- problem, Clark starts thanking him for his or her service to the country. I know Clark is a very nice person and would like to prove his reputation, but I think that all of, all of this will come out better if Clark waits until he's helped the caller and he can thank the caller for their service afterwards. Pat. That's a very good point that I interrupt the flow of somebody asking their question. It's just, I have something stuck in my craw, which goes back to the prior post, which I think it's terrible that uh, protecting our country, defending our country is not a shared sacrifice in the United States. And that's just something stuck in my head. Your suggestion is a very valid one to do it at the end rather than interrupt the flow of what somebody came to talk to me about or called to talk to me about. I appreciate all your posts. Please, when there's something you feel that I could do better to serve you, let me know by going to clark.com slash clarkstinks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Amanda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Amanda. How can I be of service to you today? Hi, Clark. I have a question about cell phone plans. I am a single person. I am in a new state, and it's very difficult to find a cell phone plan less than about $75 a month um, because I'm looking for a plan with a hotspot, and I can't join a family because I don't have a family. Um and so I was just wondering if you had any Oh, I got uh, ideas on, for you. Yeah. All right. So I'm smiling because there's a new deal that came up 
about five weeks ago, I guess, that is from Verizon's discount brand. Now, you won't have Verizon even acknowledge that this is their operation, but there's a company called Visible. It's pretty much been invisible to people, but it's called Visible. So they have a plan that's 40 bucks a month, unlimited everything, including hotspot. Really? And it works on most iPhones and some Androids. If you don't have a compatible phone, this being the Christmas shopping season, they have special deals on phones that are compatible with their system that they're making available. And it's a flat 40 and that includes junk fees. Oh, wonderful. But wait, there's more. If you thought that was the end of the story, it's not. Because Visible, this is what I started smiling about, Visible has a family plan that if you can just gather up other people, you all get a discount and you're all billed individually. Mm-hmm. And then oh, if wow. you come that's, up, that's the problem with combining when you're billed separate, you're billed all together. So one person has to pay. Yeah, but this everybody's billed individually. So if you can come up with four people, each of you only pay twenty five dollars a month total. Wow. Billed individually. Now, if somebody disappears from the plan or whatever, then they start stepping up your cost, but. It's really, really an extraordinary deal. Great. There's no contract, no add-on. Like if you go with mainline Verizon, they have junk fees on top of junk fees on top of junk fees. Yep, I've used them before. But with Visible, you just go to Visible.com and you'll see all the scoop. With them, you pay the flat rate, no asterisk, and you get the mobile hotspot with unlimited data included. Great. Yeah, I, I don't have internet at home, and so that's why it's important for me to have hotspot. And that, so, so the hotspot will be fast enough to stream video in SD. SD, yeah, and that's all I need. Uh, you're n- but HD it's not going to help you sick. with HD. Now, see, my son, if something is not perfect pixeled on a TV and is not in 4K, he's miserably upset. <laughs> and, and you I and get, I, very... you, you and I are happy with SD, except I, in I football. I can't watch 4K. I can't watch HD because it, it's so real that my body thinks I'm moving and I'm not. And so I get motion sick. Really? It's crazy. Yeah. That is wild. Well, uh, go round up those strangers of your new family and yeah. all of you save money, but at worst, you'll pay the flat 40, which is yeah, quite quite a deal, isn't it? Save half right now. Thank you. Sure. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.